0: I want to talk about something that is so special to all of us that know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. I want to talk about what Peter is telling us about in 1 Peter chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, please turn there. And I want to ask you a question before we get into this service because he says that we have, in verse 9, the salvation of our souls. I want to ask you as I was studying this week, I thought to myself, when is the last time I thanked the Lord Jesus Christ for my salvation? I mean, I mean not thank you, Lord, not one of those, uh, but one of those thank yous that goes deep within your very innermost being, that you're just so thankful for the salvation that he has given you. When's the last time you've done that? I gave a comparison in the both the services, so I might as well now. I have told this story before. Um, but it, it, was, it, it relates to being thankful. As a kid, as a young boy back in Highland Park, Michigan, my father was, um, would always play sports with me. He would catch as soon as he got back from work. Man, I know he must have been now, I understand more than ever, of how tired he might have been after a full day's work. And yet, I'd be sitting on the porch waiting for him with my glove, his glove, and a ball, and we would play catch. And that would be before he could even get in the house take off his stuff. He would, we would play catch. My dad was kind of a sportsman in that way, and, and uh, he loved to bowl, and our family bowled. And we bowled uh, a lot, and, and uh, my dad said to me uh, one in, in December. It was in the winter, and he said, son, I'm going to go get fitted for a bowling ball. My bowling ball is not uh, I want to get a new one. He said, would you like to go with me? Now, if those of you that don't bowl know that they, they fit it right to your hands. They, they fit it specifically and drill the holes just for your hand. He says, I'm going to go choose my ball and I'm going to get it fitted and, and I'm going to get some shoes, bowling, new bowling shoes and a new bowling bag. Would you come come with me? and?" And do that. And I'm just a little kid. Dad, I would love to do that. I've never seen that take place. So we go down to this place in Detroit where they, where these guys finds. You know, my dad picked out the ball that he wanted, and then the the man would measure his hand, his fingers, and his and the the grip and all of that. And he drilled the holes. And I watched him drill drill the holes. And then my dad would put his hand in there, and they would fix it and make it just as he wanted. And I, I was watching all that, and my dad was saying, well, son, which, which shoes which which shoes would you think I should have? And I, I said, oh, Dad, I, I don't know about the shoes. But he said, well, what bag? And I said, oh, that bag's the best-looking bag. Get that bowling ball bag, Dad. And I, that one's the best. And when we were looking through it and going through all that process, the gentleman that drilled my dad's hand said to me, son, come here. You ever want to see what it feels like to get your hand measured? And I said, yeah, I would love that so he measured my hand, you know, and he said, no, oh, if you ever get a bowling ball, that's just a size. And I said, okay, thank you. And we went home Christmas morning. Wake up Christmas morning, and underneath the Christmas tree is uh, my dad's bag and, I'm, uh, and, and some shoes. And they look too small for my dad. And uh, I s- said, uh, is that mine? Yeah. Yes, son. It's your bowling ball bag. Look inside. I looked inside, and it was bowling ball with my name. <clears throat> it's, I'm 76 years old. That was 70 years ago, and I still cry. And I put my hand, and it was my bowling ball. And in our house, we had this long hallway, and and uh, <laughs> and uh, so Dad said, Dad said, you know, he was not one to keep me back from doing anything as far as that goes, and he says. Sonny says, he says practice your throwing the ball, practice throwing your own ball. And my, I can hear my mom say, my dad's name is John. I said John. <laughs> he said he's going to be all right. He won't hit the walls. He'll be okay. Watch. And so I would throw. We did that for I don't want to exaggerate, maybe fifteen minutes. And he would stop it with his foot, roll it back to me, and I would roll it back to him. And and after our, our meal, mom made. Uh, don't you know we all went as a family bowling. And I walked into the bowling ball with my own bag, my own ball. I felt like a million dollars and I couldn't thank my dad and my mom enough. I must have thanked them all the time. And I thought about that. I thought about that story when I thought about it. when's the last time I almost got to tears over my salvation. Thank you the Lord for what he has done for me. How much he loves me. How much he loves you. Those of you that know him. And for those of you who are here and and you're still seeking after this understanding of the Lord, what He might mean to your heart. I, I get it. Don't, don't, don't be shy. We understand it. we all went through this wrestling match of how am I going to come to Christ or should I come to Christ and how do I ask for the forgiveness of my sin and all of that other stuff. And if you're wrestling through that, you're, you're in a safe place. We want to help you come to understand the goodness of our Lord. And I, I believe if you'll listen today, you might understand more of why we who love the Lord with all of our hearts love Him so much. The word salvation is such a precious thing to those of us who know the Lord. And that's what I want to talk about. Actually, Peter wants to talk about today with us. but I thought back at that story, and I thought it was relevant today. It was was so relevant. Uh, I still remember it. it. It's like a part of me, and I remember kissing and thanking my mom and dad over and over again for that bowling ball, those shoes and that bag. And I wondered, while I was studying this week, and won't you know that I stopped in my study and just thanked the Lord over and over again for my salvation, that I could, that I could be one day with Him in heaven? I want you to understand that as we go to this place in Scripture. Would you please read with me in First Peter chapter one? I want us to read verses nine again. We won't go through verse nine again, but I want to read it again because it kind of builds up to this whole idea of salvation and how it was passed along to us from the prophets of old and that they didn't even understand everything that they were telling us. Watch. Verse 9 of 1 Peter chapter 1. Obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. As to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful search and inquiry, seeking to know what person, what time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you. In these things which now have been announced to you through those who preached the gospel to you, by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. That's such a great place in Scripture to me. I love these few verses because it speaks so beautifully of our salvation. It speaks so beautifully of those things that, that even the prophets of old, it says here, searched. They, they they wanted to know what did these things mean. They carefully searched and inquired who was this person? When was this going to happen? When was the glories of Christ mixed in with the sufferings of Christ? And I'm sure, I'm just positive, they, made, they must have thought to themselves, how can these two mix together? And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. And we're going to have communion. And so I'm going to remind you a few times during this message about thanking the Lord. Thanking the Lord for your salvation. Maybe thanking Him for the person that he has given you to marry, or thanking him for your health, or, or maybe asking him to please carefully take care of those that are or yourself who's going through deep waters. You know, you, of course, that Peter wrote this particular book. He wrote this to those who were suffering. And he wanted to make sure that they understood in the midst of their sorrows, in the midst of their sufferings, those who were scattered throughout the Roman Empire, he wanted to make sure that they knew, in the midst of their sufferings, that they had a salvation that was true. And they want he wanted us and them to cling to that. And so I'm going to remind you of that a few times during this message, if you don't mind. Let's let's go to our Lord in prayer. Father, would you please uh, bless us this morning? I thank you for the wonderful breakfast. Those of us that had that. Uh, that is prepared for us every week by the people that work in the in the kitchen. And they do such a great job. I thank you for that. I thank you for those that come here, Father, to this church to, to worship you and to understand more about you. And may we be faithful, Father, to pass along those things to everyone that comes into our path. And, and Father, would you open up our eyes now so that we might behold wonderful things that come from your law, the Bible that we... We just read from, Father, and we just devour. We love it so much, Father. Would you please, 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 please open up our eyes and our hearts so that we might understand even more. And then, Father, would you take me and move me aside? Let me get out of the way of this message that Peter wanted to present to us through the inspiration of God, the Holy Spirit, as he passes along to us the wonders of our salvation. Now, Father, bless us, please. Prepare our hearts for communion, I beg of you, Father. In Jesus' precious name, amen. You know, we were singing a song a little while ago that uh, I was upstairs at the time, but I, I, Wayne fixed a box for me up there that I could hear what's going on up, down here up there. So I heard that song, and it, it was, uh, No place I'd rather be, no place I'd rather be than here in your arms. I think about that. Where would you want to be today? If you could choose a place. I, I understand mountains, the ocean, whatever. But really, where should we want to be other than the place to worship and to honor our God with an hour, an hour and a half of our time, whatever. To give him a moment to say thank you. The prophets of old, we are told in verse 11, spoke of two things. The sufferings of Christ and the glories of Christ to follow. This message is found throughout Scripture. It's, it's in Isaiah, Psalms, it's, it's throughout Old Testament as well as the New. And in verse 11 if you note, it says that the prophets of old were seeking to know what person, what time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted predicted within them as they were writing these this information out predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. This tells us very, very clearly that the prophets of old wrote, spoke, were inspired by the Spirit of Christ, just as the New Testament writers were. And also in verses 10 and 11, the prophets wrote some things which they themselves did not grasp at the time. They were searching diligently for what the meaning was. And and I understand that there's, there's things that, that, that we preach today, I don't care who the preacher is, that we preach today that we don't fully comprehend. We don't understand all that, that lies before us. But we take it by faith and we trust that the Word of God is true. Let me give you a very very simple example. Back in the day, when I first came to Christ, 40 years ago, there was, you know, out of the, out of the book of Revelation, it talks about the second coming of Christ and that there would be two prophets of old who would be dead in the streets and then they would rise up and every eye all the nations would see them. Oh, I preached that message. They preached it but didn't understand it. How's every eye going to see it at one time? Boom. Smartphones. Now, if you know how to work it, which I don't always, you can look at a phone and you can see something that's happening almost instantaneously over on the other side of this world which we live. And so that message that back then was kind of vague, uh, preached it by faith. Now we can preach it with some understanding that, the, that every eye truly will see. We will all be able to see this event. What they were trying to figure out in verse 11 was, was the sufferings mixed in with the glories. You see... The thought that the Christ, the, the thought that the Messiah would suffer at all was foreign to them. After all, He was coming as King of Kings to set up His kingdom. And today, you and I, we have the unique privilege of living in that interval of time between the sufferings of Christ where he Jesus came, lived, suffered, died on the cross, rose from the dead. We We know that. That happened in history. We live between that time and the true glories of Christ that is coming to follow. Don't you know that there were skeptics in those days? I mean, people that said, oh, oh, Isaiah, you're writing down stuff you don't even know of. How can you say that there's going to be glory of the Messiah, yet suffering of the Messiah, it contradicts itself. You can't have it both ways, I'm sure they said. And of course, we now know that both are true. And I'm certain today, in fact, I know for sure there are today people who say the Bible contradicts itself. But wait. For those of you that maybe think that the Bible contradicts itself, just wait. Time will show you soon enough that all that our Lord has said is going to come to pass. It will all be true. The separation, the time, the events that the Old Testament prophets did not see, we, in what is called now, we live in the church age, we see it. We see where the first time Jesus came, he came as a sacrificial lamb to die and to suffer for the sin of this world. In fact, Paul writes in Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Jesus Christ suffered and died for us. Next will be his second coming, which begins the kingdom reign of God. Now, to understand all of this, I don't, but I want you and me to read it. I want you to read it as you as you think about how thankful you should be for this time that will come where we will be with the Lord forever and ever in heaven. I want you to think before we go into communion and remember all that Jesus Christ means to you. Would you please turn with me? Hold your place in 1 Peter to the last book in your Bible, the book of Revelation right near the last page chapter 19 and if you don't read this place in scripture at all, I would encourage you to read it from time to time. It clearly states of the coming glory of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. John writes, I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it is called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and wages war. I, I, I don't know about you, but I have absolutely no trouble with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, being a one that will come and judge and even wage war where it's necessary. He has given people so much warning that I happen to love a very uh, aggressive Savior. I know the Bible teaches that and some would say, oh, you know, there's, there's got to be peace on earth. There's gotta, how can God be so judgmental? And I'm, I, I, I mean, if I know people at all and they ask me that, I ask them, how can you be so stubborn not to come to trust in Him? In righteousness he will judge and wage war. Verse 12. His eyes are a flame of fire. On his head are many diadems. That means crowns that he rules over all. And he has a name written on himself which no one knows except himself. Verse 13. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood. The blood that saved sinners like you and me. And his name is called, and this is one of my favorite titles of our Lord, the Word of God. His name is called the Word of God. And woe to anyone that opens up their doors calling themselves a church or a place of worship that doesn't study the Word of God. He calls his name the Word of God. Now we're mentioned in verse 14, And armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, are following him on white horses. That's us. I don't understand that. I don't understand what it means. You mean I'm going to come out of heaven? Or you and I are going to come out of heaven on white horses and ride down there? The last time I was on a horse, I fell off of it, broke two ribs. I said to myself, I'm not getting on a horse again. Ah, well, now I am. If I'm going to have to ride a horse out of heaven, by golly, I'll ride a horse out of heaven. I'm probably going to put a strap on me like they do kids, you know, so they don't fall off. But you, if, you, if you're anywhere near me, just watch. I'll be the one going like this riding down the thing. I, I don't know how to ride a horse. How do we explain that? I believe time will show it. I believe time will, 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 will be able to understand it more. But right now, I just take it by faith that we'll do that. It goes on now to speak about our Savior again. From his mouth will come a sharp sword, so that with it he might strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron, and he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty. And then there's verse 16, which should be burnt into every one of us's hearts and memories. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written. King of kings. Lord of lords. You looking for the glory of God? Well, there it is, folks, right before your eyes. This is the one that has the glory that is to follow after the suffering Christ. Because of this one that we worship, Jesus Christ, we can go back now to 1 Peter, but go back and read Revelation 19, verses 11 through 16, once in a while. Think about the majesty of our Savior. Because of Jesus, who came to suffer first and die for our sins, who will come again the second time to reign as King of kings and Lord of lords, it is through Him Through this one that we just read of in Revelation 19 that we gain salvation through our faith. Salvation. There's hardly another word in in Scripture that is as blessed or hopeful or comforting or assuring as salvation. We are told that the salvation that you and I have, that, that through Christ there is the only way. The message of the Bible is this, plain and clear. Even though you and I cannot save ourselves from the eternal damnation and the consequences of our sin, because the Bible says, Paul writes in Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is what? What? Death. The free gift of God is eternal life. And it's all in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You see, God can and will rescue every single one of us who comes to him in trust and belief for our salvation and acts chapter 4 verse 12 narrows it down there's not a range a wide variety of ways to get to god as some would like to say acts 4:12 says there is salvation there's that wonderful word there is salvation in no one else there is no other name under heaven that has been given among mankind by which we must be saved. Salvation comes in no one else. It comes under no other name but Jesus Christ. Your salvation, mine. Not only do we have salvation, but God loves to save those who are sinners. And He alone is able to do that. In the Old Testament, Psalms 3:8 says, salvation, there's that wonderful word, belongs. To the Lord. And He also desires for you and me to trust and believe in Him. In First Timothy, Paul wrote and told Timothy, desires God desires for all men to be saved, salvation, and all to come to the knowledge of the truth. And so Jesus, we learn through Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, had a purpose for coming to this earth. The whole salvation is a part of who he is. It says in Luke 19:10 that the Son of Man has come to seek and to save, to save. that's salvation, those of us who are lost. Which leads us to the thought of this passage, which is pure salvation. You see, salvation for mankind was God's plan, plan from the very beginning of time. He had always had this plan. Now, I don't understand it. I don't understand why our Lord allowed in the garden Adam and Eve to eat of that fruit that caused them to sin and then allowed sin to fall on all of us because of their sin. I don't understand all that. I just trust in it by faith. And I just, instead of being upset with it, I thank God for it because because of what He has done for you and me, you and I can have salvation through faith faith in him alone and I thank God for him for that but it has been a plan of God's forever in 2nd Timothy chapter 1 verses 7 8 9 and 10 I'll let you turn there if you wish 2nd Timothy chapter 1 let me tell you what I would I would do if I were you If, if 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 you have trouble finding all the books in the Bible which I do still to this day when I was at Dr. Jack MacArthur's church, which was one of the greatest privileges in my life, was going to Dr. Jack's church in Eugene, Oregon. Um, he'd he'd have us turn to all these places in Bible, and he would take us in the Old Testament, some books I'd never heard of in my life. And 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 so what I started to do was have it a pad. Now here at, at the, our church, we we put the verse up there. Uh, yeah, Second Timothy one seven through ten. And, and I would write it. I got to a place where I stopped trying to find all those verses. I'd write it down and I'd go home with Kay and we'd study it afterwards. Look at it, kind of mull over it, underline if I had to, do the things I had to afterwards and would listen to Dr. Jack. But if you don't want to do that and you want to wait to turn to it, please do. And if I go too fast, just raise your hand or something. I, I want to slow down. I don't want to make it uncomfortable for you. In 2 Timothy 1... Verses seven through ten, Paul reports these words: God has not given us a spirit of timidity; that's fear. We don't have a, we don't have a spirit of fear or, or anything else. We have a, a spirit of power, it says, and love and discipline. Verse eight. Therefore, Paul says, don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, or me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. Now watch verse nine who has saved us, there's that word salvation, and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, that's of course Paul would write that. Paul never wanted to make anyone believe that they could work their way to heaven. It was always by faith. And so he says here, not according to our works, but according to God's own purpose and grace, which He, which was granted us in Christ Jesus. Note, note when it started starting from all eternity. That's been God's plan forever, salvation. The last verse, verse 10 says, but now this salvation, I've added this salvation, has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. This plan of God's has been going on forever and ever. This idea of salvation has always been God's plan. It's not, oh, wow, they sinned. Now what do I do? No, He had the idea of it all right from the very beginning of time, eternity past. Now, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 and 11, Peter first draws attention to the word salvation through verse 9. That's why I started with that. Verse 9 says, We obtain as the outcome of our faith the salvation of of our soul. That was a viewpoint seen by the prophets of old, who wrote in verses 10 and 11 that they prophesied of the grace that was to come, but they also pursued what did it mean? What did their own prophetic writings mean? And they wanted to understand all that they could about God's promised salvation. And so it says in verse 10 they searched, they made a careful search, they inquired about it from Moses to Malachi, the Old Testament. All of the Old Testament prophets were were fascinated by the promise of, of this salvation and this promise of, of God to come to suffer first and then in His glory. They wrote, ab- they wrote about Him, but they never fully comprehended all that involved the work of Christ, His life, His His His, his, his death, His resurrection, His suffering, and His second coming. Just as you and I, we don't know, and there is no preacher that does, doesn't understand fully all the events that lie ahead of us. But they will happen in God's good time. Now, I want to give you a little deeper understanding as we walk towards communion of of concerning some key words that you might want to think about key words of God that that we've looked at today and I'm going to add one there's salvation, there's grace and I'm going to add mercy the reason I want to add mercy is that I was told and read out of one of the real old uh, uh, preachers of the gospel way back when said he never woke a day up without asking and calling upon God's mercy I started to take that as a practice in my own life I'll tell you why in a second Let's take a look at the word salvation. Salvation concerns itself with the divine act of saving sinners. The divine act was God sending his son, Jesus Christ, to live, to suffer, and to die, and to raise again for the forgiveness of our sins. So salvation concerns itself with the divine act of God, of saving those who are lost, sinners, all of us. Grace, on the other hand, it's God's unmerited favor. It is where God gives out His blessings to which none of us deserve. That's unmerited favor. Example, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. You know it probably. For by grace, grace, God's unmerited favor, you and I have been saved through faith and that not of ourselves, it is a gift of God. That's Paul. Paul's making sure you and I know that we can't work our way there. He says in the next verse, it's not as a result of work, so that none of you would boast. That's grace. God's unmerited favor on your life. Salvation. But mercy. That writer wrote, and I read and took it to heart. Mercy is where God withholds his judgment that we all deserve, and he withholds it from giving it to us. Those of us who have trusted in Christ. Come to him by mercy. And so every day I pray, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Withhold your judgment upon me, a sinner. Grace, on the other hand, as we just explained, is where God gives out his blessings to which none of us deserve. So the difference between mercy and grace is this mercy withholds God's judgment, and we all deserve it. Grace, on the other hand, gives out blessings. And none of us deserve it. The difference between mercy and grace. Don't forget mercy when you pray to God. He withholds His judgment, which all of us deserve. But He gives us mercy. Have mercy on me, a sinner. In verses 10, 11, and 12, we see that God, the Holy Spirit, inspired not only the Old Testament prophets, but the prophets in the New Testament as well. It says, verse 12, who preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Paul confesses in in 1 Corinthians, you might want to look this up later, if you can turn to it now, please do. 1 Corinthians 2, chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. I love this about Paul. Listen to what Paul says about himself. He says, when I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. He said in verse 2, I determined to know nothing amongst you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. He says in verse 3, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And Boy, do I understand verse 3. I don't think there's ever a time, in fact, Pastor Dave told me, one of the things that he, it's overwhelming when, when he gets to preach here from the pulpit to you folks, is the whole idea that you're looking at him, you're looking at me, you're looking at us expecting, tell me something. Tell me something out of the Word of God. And that's intimidating. That's intimidating. And so Paul says, I came to you in weakness and fear and much trembling. I get it, Paul. I understand. And he says in verse 4 that his message and his preaching. We're not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. You ever wonder why I asked God to move me aside? There it is. That's it. I don't want you to hear what I have to say. I want you to hear what the the Lord God is saying to you through the Word of God as we go through it. So that, he says in verse 5, your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men but on the power of God. To that I say amen. And I say woe to any church that opens its doors and tries to preach not by going through this, but by going through some topical thoughts. No, this is what you and I need to know. We don't want to hear the wisdom of men. We want to hear about the power of God. And I say amen to that. As you read from verse 12, it says it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you. I want to think about that for a moment. Through this verse, verse 12, the Holy Spirit made it clear that the prophets searching God's Word were never completely realized everything that they were preaching. They, they understood that they were not serving themselves but you, us, the church. And for those of you who are seeking after our Lord's forgiveness, They were speaking to you and to me. You know, in a similar fashion, our church, the Rock Community Church, is not laying a foundation for this church or for you alone. We're laying a foundation for those who come after us. All those sweet young kids that that were lined up against that wall who are upstairs now uh, in room 180 uh, 180, uh, being taught. We want to pass along to them the truth of the gospel. And so what I wrote to you and to me is let's try to make this a better place. Let's try to make this a place full, with full as understanding as we could possibly give to the gospel for others. For the next generation. Psalms 22, 27 says, All the ends of the earth will remember and they will turn to the Lord and all the families of the nation will will worship before you, God. That's what I want. I want them to remember. I want you to remember what it is that God has given to you as a blessing. I want you to think about it when we go to communion. And look what it says at the end of verse 12, the things into which angels long to look. In Revelation chapter 5, we are told that the angels, along with the 24 elders, stand side by side. We learned through the study of the book of Revelation that the 24 angels was the church. So with the, with the angels will be the church as a whole. And we will all join in singing a song of redemption, we are told in Revelation chapter 5. Even though the angels have not experienced salvation through faith like you and I have, they want to look into the greatness of God's salvation. They, 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 they long to see these things so that I believe they too might praise and worship and glorify God even more. Now, guys, would you please, the ushers, would you please come and pass out the, the communion for us? What I want to say to you in the next, well, we're at right on time. We've got 15 more, 14 more minutes. What I would like to do is take a few moments. I would like for you to to think about what it is that you're thankful for. I don't want to tell you what to do as you go to communion. That That's that would be foolhardy. That would me be me trying to to bend you in a certain direction. I don't want to do that. I just told you about being thankful. Come on, come on, guys, and do it. Pass out. I just told you about being thankful. That that was what I got from that, and that was that really just overwhelmed me this week. Anyways, I want you to think about about. How much accuracy should we give at this church? That should be the goal of us. To understand the word of God so that we can pass it along to the next generation. Realizing we're not serving ourselves. We're serving others that come after us. Thanks. John. can I have one? Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I want to ask you this too when you're contemplating in a moment. How much integrity can we give unto the Lord? How much can we give Him of our lives? How much can we say, Lord, I, I want to be Yours. And I would ask you, just in my own case, I wouldn't ask you to say, well, I want to live the rest of this year uh, in obedience. You're going to fail, more than likely. I would take it off into smaller chunks than that. I, I would take it off to the rest of this day. I want to really be obedient to You, Lord, and I'll deal with tomorrow if you give me tomorrow. I also want you to understand how much you want to live and to love the Lord. That that you can come to church and say, there's no place I'd rather be. There's no place I'd rather be than here in your arms. So I, I pray that you and I will pass along the wonders of our great Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and his amazing salvation. For those of you that are seeking after the Lord, I pray that that He touched your heart this morning, that that He that He that He really made made an impact on you to come to believe in Him. Another thing I would ask you to do is uh, before you we we take communion, and we'll do it in about five minutes. Uh, right now it's four minutes after the hour, and so I'll, I'm going to go over here and sit down and pray along with you. I guess you will, and. Uh, I'd ask you to, if there's any sin in your life, to not take communion with sin. I'd ask you to, to uh, ask the Lord to forgive you. It's the beauty of our Lord. He will forgive you and He will take away all your sin. He will, he will remove it from you as far as the east is from the west, if that's east and west, and He will remember it no more. Let's go to Him with this communion, with this thought, as pure as we possibly can. And let's be thankful. When the Lord said that he was going to do the bread and the wine with the fellows that were following him the closest, he said, when you take of this, take of it in remembrance of me. I want you to remember what the Lord God means to you in these next five minutes. I'll be right with you. Just kind of pray for a while or talk to the Lord or listen to the sweet music that Wayne will play. Forgive me if I'm interrupting anything that you're going through right now. I don't mean to do that, but I thought this would be a time that just us together consider the bread uh, that we're holding in our hands. And when our Lord said, this is my body to the disciples, uh, I'm going to give it up for you. We now know, we now know what happened. We now know how he went to the cross. Shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sin and died. And we also know the wonders that he rose from the dead. And he said to them, Whenever you eat of this, eat of it in remembrance of what I've done for you, who I am. Let's do that. Shortly thereafter, he uh, took some wine and said, This is my blood. It's a new covenant that I give to you that will be for the forgiveness of your sin. Now we know that what He did upon the cross, by faith, if we trust in Him for our, our sins, He will forgive us and, and change us and, and give us everlasting life. I mean, there's so much to be thankful for. So much that He has done for you and for me. And while we were yet sinners, our Lord died for us. So he said to his man and to the disciples, when you drink of this, drink of it in remembrance of me. Let's do that. Our Father, there's no way that we can thank you enough. I mean, to say thank you is so trite. But, Father, to uh, really feel it within our, our bones, that there's no place that we would rather be than here in your arms. That's a, that says so much. And so, Father, we thank you the only way we know how, and that is with our words and our hearts, that we say thank you for what you have done for us. Thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you that he died on the cross. He suffered, yes, but he rose from the dead, never to die again. And he gives life to all of us who trust in him. Father, we have so much to be thankful for. And so, Father, wherever you take all of us today, wherever we may go, may we bless you with the way we live our lives. May we honor you in the way you have honored us. I pray in Jesus' most precious name. Amen.